0: Hey, everybody. It's Bevan. uh, And I'm here with Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. Today, I'm solo and uh, no friend, just me. And you know what? I'm the best friend I'll ever have. And I say that just because of the subject of today's episode, which is the autobiography of my body. Um, I don't really know what to call this. It's basically me taking a look back at the journey that I had, um, to find body liberation and what it's done for me and sort of all like some of the more pivotal, like moments in that journey. And I'm sharing it, um, for a few reasons, primarily just for you in case there's something in my story that helps for you to understand your story a little more clearly, um, and see yourself, um, in a way that maybe is a little more loving and has a little more compassion. Um, I know that I have truly discovered myself through other people's stories of themselves. I love autobiographies. Um, I was actually just, uh, recommending the autobiography Valencia to, um, one of my coaching clients who has a queer kid. And I was just like, cause she was like wanting representation in movies. And I'm like, oh, it's like, it's definitely much better than it was 20 something years ago. But, um, also books are way better, (laughs) like queer narratives, um, and fat narratives and things, uh, that kind of showed me who I was through other people's stories are so, um, vital to my healing. And so I'm hoping that me sharing how I came to love my body as it is, um, will help you love your body as it is and love yourself as you are. Cause you are worthy of love exactly as you are. Um, and I think the autobiography of my body, uh, begins with me being completely self-loving when I was a little baby. Uh, I didn't know that I was supposed to hate my body, and so I loved everything about me. Uh, I don't remember it. I wish I could, but I bet when I first saw my feet, I was really excited about them and uh, delighted to discover my belly. Um, really non-judgmental about my chubby thighs, um, and totally neutral about like how I looked in a selfie, other than how cute I was because you know, actually not neutral at all, totally and completely enamored with how I looked in a selfie. I know selfies didn't exist in 1979 when I was a little baby, but, um, you know, I mean, I was born in 78, but I was only alive for a few days, uh, in that year. So 79 was really my first debut year, um, out here on earth. Um, and so that was a real self-loving year for me. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, I, you know, among my first actual memories of life, um, literally among the first three things I remember, one of those things is that my body was a problem and that I was fat and, um, that grownups around me, um, didn't like my body, um, and thought it was something that needed to be fixed. And, um, I, the primary grownups that I would think of in, when I think of like that specific memory, it's my mom and my dad's mom. And I, um, I say that just with the utmost compassion and love for both of those women who loved me so much. They both loved me so much. I know that to be so true. My mom, what a hero. My mom like really survived a lot of extraordinary and difficult things. um, When I was little and I am so grateful for all the work she put in so that I could be the strong, confident woman that I am today because I am very confident in many areas of my life because of the confidence she instilled in me. Uh, But the body stuff, <laughs> she did the best she could. She um, you know, I think I I knew that my body was a problem for my mom, and I know that my body was a problem for her because of what she was being taught by everyone else around her. Um, and you know what, when you know better you do better, and my mom is way better about bodies now and way more accepting. But when I was growing up, I just felt like I was the biggest failure because I was fat. And, um, like I remember just as a five-year-old little dumpling baby, like a little dumpling five-year-old, like with a little excess weight, like a, a, a round belly and chubby cheeks, like not a problem to be solved. A little kid who could have just been happy, um, and free and running around and being brave in her body and like falling down in it, not being a big deal. All of those things were possible, but instead I just started shrinking and shrinking in my confidence around my body because I knew that it was a problem and I was a really active kid, but I stayed fat. And I think that part of like being fat is like, uh, you know, benign human diversity and genetics. Like I'm from fat people. Like if you look at every person genetically that I'm related to, um, who's a woman, like there's big boobs and big bellies or completely flat as a pancake. There's not really an, an in between, but literally all the women on my mom's side of the family look like that and the women on my dad's side of the family. So like my body was kind of already determined. Um, and I think, you know, I was, a little kid, an only child, lots of trauma, you know, plenty of fast food, you know, some like I know now I would never eat like I did when I was a little kid. Um, and that was a lot of convenience food because time, like my mom had to trade all her time for money and was trying to get a degree. So like, there just wasn't a lot of time for nourishing, like well-cooked meals. I cook probably For myself, like if you quantified it in hours, um, now as an adult, because of what I know my body needs to be nourished, I cook like 800 times more than my mom had time to do uh, for me as a kid. So like part of it is just like how I grew up, where I grew up and like genetic diversity, I think is the root of my fat. But it doesn't matter because being fat isn't a problem. And like if you just adopt the mindset that fat is just a type of way your body can be um, and you just understand that it's not just about like lifestyle and diet and exercise, but it's also genetics. Um, hormone changes can make people fat. Um, and uh, not to mention the side effects of diseases and often fat is pathologized and it leads to a lot of misdiagnosis. Um, I know more than one person who has died because of medical fat phobia. Um, so there's just a lot for have complicated reasons and ways that people are fat. Um, and none of them matter because bodies are just bodies. They don't have to have value. Like if you can just get neutral about bodies, your life gets better. Everyone benefits from the eradication of fat phobia. Um, and if you can just treat kids as kids and not like need their bodies to be solved, um, you'll help like here's the thing like getting into dieting at a really young age screws up our perception of food. Um, it screws up our relationship with intuitive eating. Um, that's a whole skill set you have to learn, but you could just get raised that way and just understand what your body needs to be nourished and listen to and honor your body's signals. Um, it's cuckoo how we like make kids fat like a whole big problem when if we could just neutralize the way we looked at bodies and teach them to value bodies in this neutral way, they wouldn't develop shame around it because shame actually makes people gain weight and dieting really early in life screws with your metabolism. You're way more likely, like statistically more likely if you've interacted with Weight Watchers as a preteen, um, statistically way more likely to get an eating disorder, like by a long shot. I don't know what those stats are off the hand, but I know that it's a causal relationship to eating disorders. And the fact that Weight Watchers continues to rebrand and try to make it seem like less of a monster, it's still peddling eating disorders to young children. And like restricting eating that young is just not, I think, a good idea for mental health and um, how to exist in this society. But, you know, I also think, I believe really strongly in a health at every size approach. Like, you know, health at every size is um, eat what you need to nourish your body uh, and go outside and play with your friends, you know, and like everybody can be healthy at any size and it's just real basic. Um, anyway, I just really suffered without those things. As as a child, um, I was bullied a lot about my weight by my peers. Um, kids at school like would constantly tease me about my weight. It was like the easy thing to, to other me about, Um, And I changed elementary schools a lot. So I was always like the new kid in town and like my self-esteem just eroded and eroded. It was really sad. And like eventually I became my own worst bully. Like I just started bullying myself on the inside. I like my thought life was just constantly negative and constantly berating myself and tearing myself apart. Um, Like, by the time I was like a preteen, I was definitely like in constant self-loathing. Dieting was so hard too, because like I would like, I got it. I was put in Weight Watchers when I was eight years old. Um, And I remember like really like, thinking the best, but then like completely failing at that diet. Cause you know, diets have a 95% failure rate because most of the time when you're trying to lose weight, like you actually have another goal underneath weight loss. It's just that we live in a fat phobic society. And so a lot of things, um, get stuffed under, Oh, well, I just want to lose weight. Well, or, uh, cause you're going to get much better results the more specific you are about what you want. Um, and so like most of the time it's like to be stronger or to have less joint pain or, um, to like, fit into my clothes. Like there's a lot of reasons why you want, why you people have weight loss goals. But like, if you want a sustainable change in your life, you have to get real specific about what you want and what's under all of that. And a lot of times like weight loss just becomes that default thing. Uh, when really there's more specific, uh, directives that will help you be more successful. I think if you can measure things, um, in different metrics than weight loss. Cause like weight loss is, is you know, some bodies are just going to fight it and that's okay too. Um, and also there's no moral imperative to not be fat because bodies are just bodies. Um, and they're just going to be what they're going to be. And the more accepting we can be of body diversity and actual human diversity, the more people will just kind of settle into whatever weight they're meant to be. Cause I think some of us have like a weight pendulum where we're like, cause I always lose a lot of weight when I'm real sad. <laughs> Like, if you see any period of time with like significant weight loss, there was significant depression and significant like um, personal growth probably that year. (laughs) Um, And like, not in the fun way, in the misery way. Um, And so, you know, like, and so, and some people like this is why you're in a tangled hornet's nest every time you ask somebody um, you know, or you, you non-plement somebody on weight loss because a a lot of times weight loss is not for reasons that are super exciting. Um, but you know, like people who are dieting and really obsessed with changing their bodies, it's a literal obsession. Like you have to be completely obsessed with it to be successful. Um, I think like long-term success or short-term successful, short-term successful. Um, but like, that obsession bleeds into their conversation. People will tell you if they're on intentional weight loss, and then they'll open it up for you to talk about it. But the, the great rule of thumb in life is to never talk about somebody's body unless they bring it up and they openly consent to you talking about their body. Otherwise, it's totally not necessary and never your business. Um, but little kids like me are uh, openly judged for bodies. Um, open, like the president's physical fitness test in uh, starting in middle school, maybe even starting in fifth grade. I don't know. I remember being like at the end of the mile um, and having them like close up the, the mile test before I even finished my mile because I was so far behind everybody else. I wish they had had couch to 5K when I was in uh, elementary school and they could have taught me how to train for uh, a run. And also I wish they had the rule that Fat Girls Hiking does, which I think really encourages more people to move, which is we go as slow as the slowest person in the group. Um, it's great. It makes everybody feel great. Um, you know, like it's totally fine to wait for everybody and it's way more fun to do it with friends, um, rather than this competitive environment where they're clocking your time and like I don't know. I just feel like there's just so many different approaches that could have been taken to me and exercise growing up. And I just see why, like, I don't even use the term exercise. I use the term movement uh, to talk about aerobics and the things that I do for my body. Because exercise feels like a really punitive word. That's about like targeting my body, which always felt like a failure. Like it's a really shitty mind place to be. where You literally feel like your body's a failure all the time. And I'm super grateful for the work that I did to, uh, rewrite that narrative so that I didn't feel like a failure about my body all the time. Um, the, uh, so another big factor in growing up and what was hard was, um, a lot of like sort of mean girl trauma. Um, there was a lot of like making fun of me about my weight, but also making fun and boys did it too, but like the girls were especially, um, worse, I think. Um, there were these girls that were just mercilessly teasing me one day because I had all these hair accessories in my hair and they didn't match. Um, I, I was a fucking artist. Like, I, I wish I had a picture of that outfit. I bet I was killing it. Um, and these girls just tortured me about it and they were so mean and like and it wasn't just about the fat stuff it was also then about my style and like i just didn't have any self confidence to defiantly like you know keep expressing myself i just kept trying to tone it down um it's really hard to be a flamboyant person and try to tone it down um it's re- it's like literally trying to crush like a giant elephant inside a box but like I basically just like tried to hide in plain sight in my clothes eventually. Like I remember in college, I wore these green corduroy overalls thinking that they made me look small and hidden and they did not. I looked fat and I looked fat and adorable in green corduroy, but like I definitely was still looking fat. I just like, I would wear these baggy men's shirts because I was like trying to hide my gender (laughs) and try to hide my fat. And it just didn't work like these old navy plaid, you know, light blue things like baggy khakis. Oh, Evan. Anyway, anytime that I was trying to hide my flamboyance, I was just (laughs) failing and also just like um, not honoring myself and (laughs) not achieving my desired results. Um, but you know, like I just really, really wanted to not give people a reason to target me. And it was just so hard to live as a target for so long. Um, and you know, I worked hard to be an overachiever, um, perfectionist because that was a way that I could like kind of distract people from me being fat. I was also very sarcastic and very funny. And I'm actually still trying to get back to funny um, after I lost the sarcasm because I, you know, did a lot of Al-Anon and realized I was deflecting. Um, And anyway, I I was definitely, I was funnier when I was sarcastic and I'm, you know, not as funny anymore. Um, anyway, uh, but, you know, developed lots of great defense mechanisms, uh, to hide, you know, or to overcome the failure that my body was. Right. Um, I also remember, uh, my mom trying to get me, trying to give me money, uh, to lose weight. That happened a few times ne- that never worked either. So capitalism did not win over, you know, like battling my body. Um, what else? Uh, oh, also, um. I remember being, like, 13 and just wearing these, like, um, two, like, these sets. Like, this top and this bottom that matched. Like, that was a very common thing to have, like, a real matchy-matchy, like, shorts and shirt combo. Um, But, like, definitely loud 90s print. Um, It was like orange maybe anyway I was killing it I looked amazing and I took no pride in that you know what I mean like it was just like I remember just wearing it and like you know I would get excited about clothes but like I would just be way more excited about the things that hid me but I'm really grateful that like there were times I don't know what motivation I had to actually wear this stuff but like there were a few outfits I had that really like killed the game but mostly like Lots of regrettable things that were more sack-like and trying to hide who I was. Um, also, I came out to myself when I was 15 years old. I didn't know that gay was a thing you could be till I was 14. Um, and then when I was 15, I realized, oh, I think I'm bisexual. Um, and just now, I identify as queer sexually, lesbian culturally, and um, I'm like kind of a five and a half on the Kinsey scale. Um, but at the time, I didn't have any of this nuance. I just thought I was bisexual. I also was never going to come out because I didn't believe I was fuckable. I just inherently did not believe that anyone was going to want to date me. So why would I bother coming out? Um, I feel like just my own perception of my unworthiness and my undesirableness was kind of a form of trauma, like to just put myself through that, like crushing belief system that no, I wasn't worthy of anyone's love, like, um, or desire, like, just what an experience. Like, I feel so bad for myself as a teenager because of what I put my own self through. Um, I was super depressed. <laughs> I, like, and it wasn't just about the gay stuff. It was about the fat stuff. Like, I just, like, felt like a, a colossal failure all the time. Uh, I was really depressed, really, like... Was, kind of giving up on life but like still sort of putting one foot in front of the other because I was just like on a path um and as long as I could keep like hitting goals on the path like I went all the way through law school um you know I, I like achieved Girl Scouts like gold award um like that's like the highest award in Girl Scouting I was really good at anything that involved a path where you just like put one foot in front of the other and kept going um and it was just super interesting how like none of that really affected my self-esteem. Cause I just always felt like a failure for being fat. Um, and just real bummed a lot, kind of an Eeyore person, I think. Um, but I, um, really kind of had a first big corner turn when I was a sophomore in college, my depression kind of reached its height when I was a freshman in college. I just like, was not making friends. I was just really the transition was hard. Um I liked knowing everybody in high school and then suddenly like I didn't know anybody and I was a nobody on a huge campus. I went to UC Davis. Um and I was biking everywhere so I was still really active. Um I was active as a kid too like when I was fat playing softball. I had this coach like keep me in the outfield cuz he believed that I wasn't a good player because I was fat, but I was actually a really good player. Um, and had been good the year before on my previous softball team. And it was just so like, just this startling moment of being under, um, appreciated and undervalued as a fat person and a fat athlete. Um, and then, you know, I did a few other like athletic type things as a a young person, but just kept getting discouraged by people like limiting me and not believing in me because of my body. Um, and so like, as a college freshman, I was biking everywhere. It was such an interesting shift, like to have, my that my mode of transportation be a bicycle and so like I was really active but like still fat and like um getting fatter like it was kind of I think it was like part of the depression and part like um just freshman food like having a buffet literally three times a day like it's, it's a lot of food um and especially when you're sad as a freshman in college oh. um But it's interesting because at the time, at that time in my life, I wasn't weighing myself, not out of a political restraint from, I don't have to weigh myself, so I'm not going to. Um, That's like more my riots, not diets mentality these days. But at that time, I wasn't weighing myself because I was too ashamed. I didn't want to know how much I weighed. I wanted to avoid it. I wouldn't even look myself in the mirror, like ever. Like my shame was so deep uh, and so present, like for just being me in the world. Ugh. Poor Bevan. Um, And also, I just want to say I reflect on that person as like just a wonderful, tender, beautiful human being. And I'm glad she existed. And I'm glad none of her suicide attempts ever worked. Um, It was very suicidal, but it never actually worked. And I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad for the angels that helped to keep me alive. Um, anyway, we're, we're, we're digging deep. We're digging deep. Um, Ellen came out on national TV in 1997 when I was a freshman. I remember being in my black, my blue and white bathrobe, um, sitting on the couch alone in my dorm suite. I, so I had three roommates. Those are the only people I pretty much interacted with unless I was in class or at work. Um, and I, um, remember watching Ellen come out and being all, totally all alone and just crying there in my bathrobe because I just never believed I was going to come out. And I never believed that anyone was ever going to love me. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you have to laugh or you'll cry your eyes out, you know? Uh, <laughs> uh, so that, that happened. Um, and then about six months later, maybe no, nine months later, I was a sophomore in college. And on break, I read the book uh, by Wally Lamb. She's come undone. Um, God bless Oprah for putting that on her book list. Cause that is why I read that book and it changed my life. I identified so much with the main character. Um, she hated herself. She was in a pit of self-loathing constantly and she was fat and I just related so much to her and I hated her for it. Like I didn't like her and I recognized myself in her and I knew I had to change the those things about myself I didn't like, so I made a decision to stop hating myself. I was like, I gotta, f- like, I didn't know what I was gonna do or how I was gonna do it. I just had to make the decision. Um, So I made a decision, and that was a huge turning point in my life. It was like I planted my flag, and much like, uh, you know how when you turn a tanker ship in the ocean, you can't just like flip a U, right? Like you, it's a really slow turn, um, and then it takes a while to get up speed again. That is what the process of starting to learn to love myself looked like. Um, I planted my flag. I made a U-turn. And the next thing I did was start doing dance aerobics. Uh, Dance aerobics has been an answer for me multiple times in my life. Um, Anytime I need to feel happier, dance aerobics is there. Um, It really does alter my mood. Um, and I recognize this, like, I hated exercise as like a punishment for my body, but I did always like doing dance aerobics. So Richard Simmons is a kid I enjoyed. Um, I believe there was a Miss Piggy workout tape that I quite enjoyed. Um, I, uh, at this time in my life, I had these tapes called, these were VHS tapes, please. Um, it, for the grind MTV workout, uh, starring Eric Neese, uh, from the real world, um, New York first season ever, back when they were older than me. Um, now all the people in the the real world are like 20 years younger than me. It's super weird. Uh, anyway, but I had these aerobics BHS tapes in my dorm room. And so I just started doing them. And I was like, probably doing aerobics like three or four times a week to like, alter my mood so that I could be a little happier and thus a little less self-loathing. Like it was like a real micro incremental choice, but I knew like movement and specifically dance aerobics was going to help me feel a little better. And it did. Um, and then the next big pivotal moment, um, in my, uh, body love journey was a note that my friend grant wrote me, um, at girl scout camp that summer. So it was 1998. Um, I got my nose pierced and I decided to stop hating myself. That was like kind of a mark in my body. It was like the first choice I made away from the stated path of you have to look this way and you have to be this way in order to, um, be acceptable. Um, Because I was real on a conforming path of like, that's, I mean, I went to law school, you know, like on a conforming path of you should be a lawyer. Um, And I, that was the first time I veered off that path. I decided to stop hating myself, got a nose ring to like, kind of just, you know, just do the thing that I I had on my heart that I wanted to do. And it just felt like such a liberated moment with my body. Um, And then I was doing dance aerobics in my dorm room. And I went to uh, camp that summer, Girl Scout camp, and um, I became very good friends with Grant. And he, at the end of the summer, wrote me a note um, on this like yearbook thing we had, and he um, he had said all summer long if if I brought up someone who like didn't like me or something like that, um, he would tell me, Groovy, tell them that they're wrong and they're wrong because Grant said so, because you're amazing. Um, And so he wrote in this note to me, he's like, Groovy, you're wrong. You talk about yourself like you're terrible all the time. Um, And it's hard for me because I'm your friend and I love you. And I know that you're wrong when you're talking that way about yourself. And it was just like the gentlest, most uh, beautiful mirror reflected up to me. Um, And, you know, like you can't hear the truth from someone um, unless you know that they care um and i knew that grant cared about me and we had a strong relationship and so he could be honest with me and i could receive that feedback and i implemented that feedback uh i will say that one of the most important things you can ever do is to clean up how you talk um your thought life is so important because it creates the reality of the world you live in but like thought life takes a lot longer than uh, adjusting what you say cuz obviously you're thinking way more than you're talking um but if your thought life is creating your reality your your physical voice is casting spells um and so if you speak ill of yourself and speak ill of other people um all of that just like comes back to you like there's a lot of uh, science actually about the effect of um positive words versus negative words on uh ice crystals um so it's it's really interesting how powerful what you say is and i was actively self-deprecating constantly at that time in my life and so I was just casting these spells all over myself which was the opposite of what I said that I wanted um earlier that year when I decided to stop hating myself and so I had to learn to stop speaking ill of myself and that was definitely like a hard thing to do but I set the intention to do it and I just got better and better at it and it slowly worked um So at this point in my journey, I'm starting to recognize I need to make active steps towards loving myself. And then the goddess just kind of spilled me into what I like to call the right crowd. Um, When I moved to Philadelphia, I was um, in law school and I had been living in Camden, New Jersey, but realized Philadelphia was awesome and I loved the city and I needed to be there. And um, I started going to Dyke March organizing, um, meetings, um, specifically, uh, planning meetings for the drag king contest, which was, um, basically the major fundraiser for the Philly Dyke March. I do not know if that is still the case, but if it is, you should, it was a really fun time. I really enjoyed all of the years I participated in that, but that was like my entree into like drag king performance. And, um, gender performance and all of that that whole community and like the people i knew who were in that um specifically uh christy and becky who had just moved from columbus ohio and were in a drag king troupe there and so they brought the whole like drag culture but this is pre-youtube everybody there were no drag tutorials on um anything but like a a self-published drag king zine you know like there were a a few zines. And that's kind of how you learned how to be a drag uh, performer from somebody else um, who was willing to teach you and mentor you into creating your character and like everything you were doing on stage. It was so much fun. It was a really potent artistic space. And I found the people that I was around were very body positive and very um, fat affirming of me. They were like, you're a babe, like period. It doesn't matter that you're fat or not. And it was also I was around other fat femmes who like just you know seeing yourself reflected in somebody else in a way that you haven't before is a very potent experience in accepting yourself and loving yourself and from that like experience I just like kind of burst forth in enthusiasm towards um, figuring out like what was my gender and like who am I in this world and like what happens if I love myself what do do I wear if I love myself and I just like slowly but surely like just started you know I would do drag king performance so I had a big handlebar mustache and a big pair of sunglasses because it could hide my eye makeup that I was wearing for my gender reveal because I always switched from one to the other because I loved gender performance in that way because like it's really surprising when people see me um, as looking as a man, you know what I mean? Cause gender is a, a sort of weird universe that like we all get kind of like indoctrinated into this one way of being. But if you like actually take that lens off, there's like this wild diversity of human beings. And that's what I think drag really allows for it, allows for that play and that experience. And I could feel the limits of where I wanted to go and where I didn't want to go. I was so uncomfortable in, um, male drag. And, but I loved it. I love the performance of it. Um, I really wanted to be a cartoon character. If I could have been a CGI drag king where like you saw me, but I was like actually a cartoon version of me, that's what I want. Um, just like I want everyone to think I live in the North pole, even though I, I don't live in the actual North pole. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, I like to be this cartoon version of my, my gender. Right. Um, But on stage, I would also do this, like, femme performance, and that was amazing. I loved big eyelashes, still do. Um, Loved big hair, still do. Um, You know, loved vintage style, still do. Like, um, a lot of myself sort of bloomed out of that um, caricature performance. Um, It would start out as, like, an idea or a thing I was playing with, like, wearing lingerie as outfits on stage. Uh, Is so affirming, and it looks really cute, and... um, I really quite enjoyed my experience as, like, a drag performer. And then eventually I became, um... And just, like, being around other people who were performing gender, too, just kind of gives you ideas. You play off each other. Um, you perform, you create together in that safety community, you, you are body affirming of one another. This is why like creating community that's body positive is so important. And having like in-person experiences with people is so important. Like here we were performing together, but like, you know, it's similar to like taking an aerobics class and showing up every time, you know, and like really just showing up for that community and that, that reoccurrence of being with people, moving with people, dancing with people, creating with people, um, going to like choirs, things like that, where you're like working together with a group of people you see regularly. It kind of helps to heal that part of us that, um, that trauma breaks because trauma has an effect on us where it makes us not trust other people. And you have to relearn how to do that as a trauma healing. So, you know, just a, a potent thing you can apply to your life if that, uh, resonates, Um, But, you know, like going to places where you see people and you're connected to people. um, In that time in my life, I had started going. um, I'd been going to Girl Scout camp, which did not involve a lot of shared nudity. But then um, the first year I went to the Michigan Women's Music Festival, I was very stressed out about the communal shower situation. I knew there were outdoor showers. I knew there was, like, maybe a shy shower I could get into, but you were still kind of naked in and around this, like, public... It wasn't really public. It was a, a campground private to the festival goers, but it was still, like, a lot of people could see you naked, and if you hadn't been seen naked before, that was a big deal. It was a threshold to move through, but I have to say, highly recommend... Uh, group naked experiences, normalizing, um, nakedness helps to normalize the idea that bodies are just bodies and they all look different and they're all great and it doesn't matter what they look like. Like, I think the earlier you can understand that, honestly, the better off. And I learned a lot that summer and all that stress beforehand, Um, I got there and it was this record-breaking heat year. It was so hot. I was so dehydrated. Um, I think I was having a heat stroke. And so, like, that first shower did not matter anything about other people around me. Um, But by the end of the week, like, after that first shower where it did not bother me to be naked around other people because I just needed, physically needed that cold water on me. And also, showering outside is so nice. Like, If you haven't done that before, give yourself a treat and have an outdoor shower Airbnb sometime. It's a nice experience to just be out in nature in a shower and take a shower. But, you know, eventually I got so comfortable um, in these outdoor showers, I was, like, standing there chatting with another femme friend, shaving our legs um, off to the side. And, like, having a femme experience at a lesbian place with naked bodies oh that's a different episode but i will say like these were all very gender affirming experiences in naked spaces similarly have had gender affirming and also body affirming experiences at spas like um you know korean day spas um it's ideal there's a, a cool one in portland that's like all the genders all together which is you know awesome um Anyway, you can find those things, but I highly encourage if you are curious about those experiences, definitely follow that curiosity. Go experience being naked with other people. It really does help to normalize bodies. And once, like I, once I kind of really landed that idea, oh, all bodies are just bodies. It's not a big deal, and they're all great. That really did help just release my thinking. I was no longer trapped by the idea that I had to police other people's bodies in my mind that like level of critique of other people's bodies when it disappears gives you so much time available in your brain um, to think about things you're really meant to hear meant to think about and meant to do and create Um, but really just yeah allowing a release for myself to release judgment from other people and similarly to release judgment around myself and like being in naked places with other people. Um, With lots of different body types Has been essential in that And like you know not I don't need to go to like Naked Palooza But like you know having places where Like if it's hot People of all different types of bodies Take their shirts off if they want to You know like just that kind of Freedom uh, of bodies It's nice it's a nice life Uh, Nice societies if you can Find them I know there are lots Of like um, Different subcultural uh, weekend away type things. I don't know how many of them have naked stuff, but you know, an outdoor shower, it's a nice experience. Um, I'll say, okay. So another, um, big body threshold moment for me in my life, um, that defined me is like much later, um, around 20, probably around 2010, um, No, it was earlier than this. Sorry, 2006-ish, I probably had my first colonoscopy and upper endoscopy. See here, now we're getting into healthcare. Um, Looking around inside my body uh, to see what was going on with my digestive system. And after many years and many colonoscopies and expensive medical things, um, I did a cleanse with my friend, uh, Vic, who basically I trusted as a health coach. i like, cause I already knew her as a person. I was like, I will do your cleanse. I would never do another cleanse, but I would do yours because you're promising me I will never be hungry. And you're promising me, um, it's not some kind of diet. And so I did it and it was awesome because it taught me a lot about my body and it taught me a lot about what was, what I was reacting to and why my body was tied up in knots. But like, what it really came down to was like, there's a lot of f- foods that I'm very reactive to. Um, and it was, it's good to have that information, but also, um, that I had a total candida overgrowth Yeah, because like once I eliminated all my sugar, sorry, I'm talking about my food. Um, I, uh, should I have done a trigger warning? Maybe, I don't know. Um, I'll put a trigger warning in the in the podcast description. That's what I'll say because I want to be a safe place for ED folks, but like I also need to tell you what happened with my body. Um, so basically, I found out through food investigation uh, with a trusted person to guide me on this path. So this is another time where like I could call her sometimes from like a grocery store um, and just be like, "I'm freaking out, please help me." And it was just like one of those real like health coach moments where like. I, because I was trying to kill the candida that was living inside me, I had to do it by changing how I ate, um, and eliminating certain food from my body that I was noticing strong reactions to because of the candida overgrowth. And candida can show up for lots of different reasons, like taking lots of antibiotics will kick it up. Um, stress is a huge factor in creating a candida, candida overgrowth because it, um, it basically makes your body experience a sugar overload. And then basically you're just like feeding it. Um, Candida is basically your unwanted roommate in your intestines and you can starve it out and murder it out. I did both, but in the interim of choosing to do that, I knew this might be the, what happened. And I was like, I got to get this candida out of me so I can, um, you know, start having a more quality digestive experience. Um, I'll say this, I knew where every single Starbucks in Manhattan was because I had to move around Manhattan for work, and I always knew where I could go to the bathroom. So I wanted a different life, and I made changes uh, in how I took food, and that resulted in weight change, and I will tell you losing a whole bunch of weight uh, when you're a very fat positive person is a weird experience. And I had to really apply all of my body positive stuff to the change in my weight and not value it. Um, And also, sometimes I looked cuter when I was fatter. Um, My boobs were bigger, you know, like there were things that changed about my body, and it was hard and weird. And also, I love myself and I accept and love my body at all stages. And so, you know, there's value in all of them, but I had to really apply that. Um, in that weight change. And also it was a real moment where I had to choose self-care again and again over like that momentary interest of my life or my body, like giving up alcohol. That was hard, but physically my body was just rejecting it and I was becoming more and more aware of my body rejecting it. And so listening to it was a good choice for me. Um, But it resulted in changes in my body that were super rapid and I didn't anticipate them. And it was a a real mind shift around my body when I became smaller. Um, And then I plumped up again in my next relationship as I tend to gain relationship and comfort happiness weight and then go through a hard time, lose a bunch of weight again, like I did last year. Um, I didn't notice it when it was happening, but then um, recently I'm like, oh, wow. (laughs) When I look at pictures of me a year ago... Um, And I just like, you know, all that stress emotionally, like sometimes I just can't eat uh, or sometimes I do. And like, I also move around a lot. I don't know, but I just really uh, am excited for my body to be at the weight. I saw this meme recently and I posted it, but I just really want my body to be at the weight that it wants to be at when I'm at my happiest. And I just want to live my most joy filled life, no matter what's going on. So my emotional mastery goal in my body love journey this is where I'm at now this is where I'm aiming for is to just like emotionally be at 73 degrees and sunny you know what I mean like all the time even though I live I mean now I'm living with seasonal depression again like I moved to a place where there's less light and like it really profoundly affects me so this time of year I am really like using all of my little things that I can do I mean first and foremost to just be in radical acceptance of like my body is my body and it is affected by light and changes in light. Um, and also doing all the little things I know to do, like my UV solar therapy light. Um, I take a really great, um, magnesium and vitamin D, uh, and calcium supplement, uh, three times a day to help keep my vitamin D up. Um, I take a walk outside every single day, unless it is absolutely inclement. And that means like true precipitation in a way that like, it's not really safe to move around outside. Um, but I really do seize the day and that's a huge form of self-care for me to help bust depression. I also do some movement things like dance aerobics helps with my depression. Um, and yeah, I really like opening up my heart to the sky, um, and then mouth open wide. That's a scientifically proven, uh, you know, imagine like you're a Muppet flopping back and open. Um, I do, in fact, a dance party because it's a really great way to just kind of like open your energy up to, uh, better flow, more flow when you're feeling bummed in the season. But, you know, I think that I want to have the emotional mastery in my life to just have my experience of the world be 73 degrees and sunny. Um, so I think that's, like, all about body stuff because the way you feel about your body affects everything. But it was just an interesting moment when I realized that, like, my body love journey wasn't just going to stop at my body. It was also going to be, like, my thoughts and how I think about myself and how I interact emotionally with other people. Like, it's all tied into our experience of the world around us and how we can get back to that ultimate self-loving place that we started at. And I also... I always like to let myself off the the hook too because like it took me like what 41 years to get to where I am now it can take me another 41 years to get to where I'm gonna be um at my most ultimate supreme who knows right um The very best way you can support this podcast is by joining my Patreon page. Patreon is a hybrid of crowdfunding and a membership support site basically a great platform for people like me to create content for folks like you who value what we put out in the world on the larger scale, but then also with some specific member benefits. Um, I do a weekly online aerobics class. Um, Fat Kid Dance Party is my aerobics uh, concept. And I have a, a rotating schedule available in the weekly online classes. There's always a 10 minute class a 20 minute class, a 45 minute class and a 60 minute class or so it's like 50 to 60 minutes. Um, sometimes they're live classes that I've been, I'm teaching to an audience. And sometimes they're just things I record just for you. Um, I love having the ability to share aerobics with folks all over the world. And I do it through uh, the Patreon site, but I have Vimeo uploads. So that's uh, a, it's a video platform that's available worldwide. Uh, and I love it for that. I also um, just so you know what the aerobics are like. I really draw a lot of inspiration from Richard Simmons and Miss Piggy. So like, if you can just kind of imagine that with like a lot of body liberation and positivity mindset stuff, uh, you know, jiggle it all up and throw some sparkles in and a cheer bow or two, and you got faculty dance party aerobics. Um, also at the five dollar a month level, you get a special podcast of mini episodes just for you and some exclusive content. Um, so even if, you know, every dollar counts basically to making my work to help the world be safe uh, for people to love themselves, uh, every dollar helps. So whatever you can uh, do or connect, um, patreon.com slash FKDP, which stands for Fat Dance Party. And this week we are celebrating new Fat Dance Party regular, skip bacon who joined uh the patreon who was just on my podcast just two weeks ago um and what a smart capricorn she was to decide to hitch up uh for movement super grateful to you skip from sacramento i'm excited to come down and visit um and see your comedic stylings when i get there i'm also really interested in potential future passages for my body like i think i've really weathered a lot with her I'm very grateful for what my body has carried me through. I'm grateful for my body for allowing me to be an aerobics instructor. It is a very weird trajectory in my life that I didn't anticipate and yet was always there waiting for me. Um, And my body is just amazing, and I'm kind of excited to see newer challenges, things I anticipate um, experiencing uh, are. pre and postpartum body because at some point maybe I'll be pregnant still possible I believe from the bottom of my soul that I am forever fertile as long as I want to be because I just like you know I've heard that Abraham Sarah story enough times that I believe it to be true and so I believe my fertility is forever Um, and so I still think that I'll have a a pre and postpartum experience but I'm kind of excited to weather it from a new body positive perspective which is that your body is literally always changing so you are always going to change And you just had a miracle happen inside you. And so you, like, marked a little time on your body because things changed. So, like, you know, and also it was a big year for me that year. Like, I had that candida weight loss that kind of got marked on my body, like, when it changed. Because when it changed from weight loss, it changed. Like, things moved and shifted and got different. They got a little lower. And I don't know. It was interesting. It was just a whole, like, shift in my body. And it was like it exhaled or something. Um, and then it plumped back up and then it shrank a little bit and now it's just a little bit of a different texture. I don't know. It's just a new change. Um, and so just going from this experience to just be with my body as it shifts and changes and also using really good face creams and, uh, cutting edge organic technologies (laughs) to, uh, you know still reduce I I have this little like massager thing for my face um it's like I think it's called a Foria and it's just like a little like thing for for your your uh, face wash and uh and it's supposed to like reduce fine lines and I can't tell if it is uh reducing them or not but uh you know I certainly look a little bit like less fine lined perhaps um, you know, I don't know. Uh, there's a few other things like some uh, cutting edge enzyme technology I'm looking forward to trying. Um, and I just say this to you because I want to be fully transparent in my experience of my changing body, because a lot of what I want this podcast to focus on, and I set this intention when I started, is like confronting internalized ageism, owning and loving a, lo- a body at any stage of life, and like figuring out how to thrive no matter what, and how to have like this goddesses never age sort of attitude. Um, So, you know, this is my experience of it. Um, I hope some of this has resonated for you. Maybe uh, you're on a gender journey or a body love journey or uh, an internal thought love journey, a success journey, a busting outside of capitalism and succeeding anyway journey. Um, But wherever you are, it's super great. Uh, I'm glad to be on this with you. I'm glad uh, you're here with me. And I just want you to know you're worthy of love exactly as you are. And you don't have to be anywhere but exactly where you are right now. And it's the perfect place to start. You're doing amazing. And I will talk to you next week.
1: There's a hoe down there. There's a hoe down down there. There's a hoe down, hoe down, hoe down there.
2: There's a hoe
1: down down there. There's a hoe down there. There's a hoe down, hoe down, hoe down there. Well, I was bored with a lesbian scene. told myself i gotta find another thing so i strapped on my boots and i walked down the street and i rolled right into the local dkb drag king bar that is (laughs) when i walked in wearing waiting. well i thought i might be straight at the drag king bar last night it's unlike me you look at boys when the girls are packing toys i can dig that scene all right Cross the bar, he'd play their guitar and mouth those words real sexy. Well, it was then that Shirley knew that this one would be a two if I played my cards just right. Well, I was drunk and I was bored and he was cute, so I was lured at the drinking King bar last night. Where all the boys, really girls And the facts about their pearls At the drag king guard last night Then at quarter to ten He scoped me again And drank his beer So sexy was then surely knew that this one would be a two by the end of the night tonight oh, I was drunk I was poorly accused so I was lured at the drag bar last night Woo! All the boys really girls and the bags got their pearls at the drag queen bar last night Then he used my line that works every time he said, hey, is this he taking? Well, I said, no. He said, let's go. I said, where? I don't care. I'm a Scorpio. Take me home yeah. right now. I was drunk and I was born in his cute, So I was blurred at the drinking bar last night. All well, the boys, really girls, and the fags got their pearls at the drag king bar Last night Then a quarter to twelve As I get to delve into The drag king Last Last night
0: My thoughts were so strange, but my luck sure had changed. I was queen to the king last
1: night. Well, I was drunk and I was bored, and he was cute, so I was bored at the drag king bar last night. All the boys really girls in the back got their pearls at the drag king bar last night.